my podcast listeners, welcome to another installment of the Dom of X. I'm your host, Professor Dom Torres, and at my actual figurative, literal figurative side on stream is my good friend, Dylan. How are you doing today, dude? I hope you're doing well. I'm doing good, bro. I am doing good. You know, it was a good day. It's been a little bit warmer in weather around here, but, you know, the sun's out. There's no more smoke in the atmosphere, so that's really nice. I could deal with the hot weather as long as I got you my sunshine what? back. Sunshine, you know sunshine, like literally sunshine and blue skies are some of my favorite. Like, you just go outside and you just enjoy like that's the yeah. stuff I, you live for you know i'm i'm really glad that the fires have led because you know fire season happened in california uh pretty all the people affected but uh when you get good weather like this i'm not complaining i'm not complaining about enjoyable yeah. weather like who who wouldn't enjoy that type of weather we're not krakoa we don't have mutants like storm to to deal with stuff like that for us and give us good nice humid weather with sunshine no we don't got that so we just got a deal we just got a deal sometimes we just got a deal and and with that i actually want to get into the dealing with all of this because as you know the last time we covered this book it was one of our favorites from the x line jerry Duggan yeah. just absolutely killing it and it's a, it's a pirate killing book it. but man it's like pirates re- really really good stuff so before we delve into this let's go ahead and credit all of our creators on the title story by jerry duggan art by stefano caselli and matteo lolly Edgar Delgado on colors, Joe Caramagna on letters, Tom Mueller on the designs, and line editing by Jordan D. White. So let's get into this. So if you remember, and she's been, I guess, part of the uh, X-Lore for a relatively long time, Callisto, former leader of the Morlocks, these guys who live down south on the sewers trying to get as much just to survive. And now that they're all on <laughs> this one island just enjoying fear, it's, it's crazy to me. Again, it's still crazy how, like, all of these, like, former villains or former people who've, like, sort of struggled in a different environment now get a chance to have a new life. And it was just cool seeing Callisto, Foria, former leader of the Morlocks, be in the setting where she's she's finally in a spot where she can enjoy life. She doesn't have to rummage and totally. try to no more for No more sewer people. No more, no more trying to not because the whole thing with the Morlocks was is they weren't normal looking like the X Men were minus Beast. You know, they they were very they were grotesque to look at in some cases. They were hideous and they were just way too much. Um, they they couldn't <clears throat> they already being mutants. They already have enough time, but these were mutants that were basically in the eyes of normal humans disfigured. You know what I'm saying? Abominations. So they couldn't, they had to literally live in the sewers, but not on Krakoa. On Krakoa, they're, they're the supermodels. On Krakoa, they're the, the rock stars. On Krakoa, they're, they're, they're normal citizens, and it's a beautiful thing. And then the seas, this badass that they bring back, you know, oh, and then, <clears throat> They didn't squash old hatreds. Like, there's still that little bit of beef between her and and uh, Storm. Because, as you know, Storm, at one point, was the leader of the Morlocks, you know? So, it's, it's, it's so great how they're able to do all these member berries and, at the same time, give us a new story. You know? It's, it's so... It's, it's what matters in comic book writing, you know? Give us the nostalgia, but give us some new stuff, too, you know? That's exactly it. And, and speaking of supermodels, we literally have supermodel Emma tell Callisto she's going to be a supermodel on her team. She's going to be the one helping out the council and the marauders and the Hellfire Company 
and and giving out this brand new idealism that Coco is bringing onto the world. Like Jumbo Carnation is making outfits for her, and and she's in the Waikiki. It's like it's so awesome just to see her in in a different setting. It's the same Callista that we knew before, but she's just been tuned up in fashion. It's like oh my gosh, she looks great. Oh yeah, like she literally looks so good in that white outfit that uh, that uh, once again Hickman with the white. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's crazy, man. Like I I love the cover too in issue seven where she's wearing the all white and she's got it's so cool. I I think it's really great that she's getting a chance to represent herself on on the island as a part of the Marauders, a part of the Hellfire Trading Company. It's 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 I don't know. It's just re- it's just cool. It's just awesome to look at. Totally, totally, <laughs> and and still she's so quick. I, I like I you forget that like yeah she lived in the sewers, but she's a badass. You know, <laughs> she's got that that quickness with the blade. You know, that's the thing too. It's like she still has the one thing I like about Callisto. She has that again. She had that survive like try to survive as much as you can mentality. I wouldn't akin it to Apocalypse where it's like a survival of the fittest, but it's like definitely try to make sure that you have enough food on your plate for the next day. And I think what she brings to the company is, and with Emma is, hey, we're all trying to survive. Let's let's bring in some of this grit and grinder. And what better way to do it than a person who's been trying to help her group get get the food get get try to get this bread and now they're doing that on Krakoa and did, why not why not have her as a why not on the team and and it's it's I don't know it's just really great to see again Callisto in a different setting but one that makes sense for her as a character definitely definitely like honestly I thought a lot of these people would just be retired like why like you Krakoa is basically retirement for most people like why not why do anything when you live in paradise and don't have to work you know so I'm really happy though that they brought her in (laughs) I I like you know you can never get more bad enough badassery with the mutants there's always just another badass that they can bring out and like it's just so great it's so great and I have to say not only do I like what they're doing with Calypso and Storm and and Emma Frost, but this this pyro that we got, you know, this pyro is just such a badass with the with the face tattoo and all that. Oh, forget about it! So awesome. It's crazy. What do you think about it? Oh man, I like the fact. I think it was like issue two or three of the run where they all go to the the Chinese. I think it was the Chinese part to get the tattoos, and freaking Pyro's got this like pirate skull on his head and. Oh my gosh, he just looks cool. Like, literally all of these pirates. They look like pirates, and they're they're trying to be badass. And it's like, we they, there's a, still the serious tone of the book, but having it more lighthearted in the sense that Pyro, Bobby, and, and all these guys are just trying to have fun. They all just look aesthetically great. Like, they're distinct. It also just looks really cool. Like, the, 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 the tattoos on And the pirate there. references. All the pirate references. Like, because they're not just like, oh, wearing an eye patch. Oh, they're the peg legs. Like, no, they're like, they're going all out. They're getting tattoos. They're they're using phrases like scuttlebutt and like, you know, scuttle that ship. And like, you know what I'm saying? Like, all, like, let's, let's what, make them walk the plank. Like, they throw them in and they're so subtle. And then you're like, wait, did they just do a pirate thing? Like, you know, they're having, like, that's so, it's so great. It's so great. And oh, having 
having Kate, Kitty, whatever you want to call it, as as the leader is just such a, a really cool thing. And everything, you think, like, you can't get any more complicated with their character. And they're figuring out, like, the complexities. They're starting to understand where everything is going. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. What do you think about all that? Like, her rebirth and, like, all that kind of stuff. And, like, how they explained why they couldn't just bring her back. So there's a lot of layers under this and there's a lot of stuff to unpack because we have the because there's a lot of threads that's going on in the book, right? And shout out to Jerry and like you said for making a very fun, enjoyable pirate book that actually feels like a pirate yes. book. Like that's the crazy part. It's it's like he tried to achieve something. The X Office tried to achieve it with this book and they hit all the notes. They're hitting the boot buckly, swash buckling senses, but you still get all of the different uh references and, and all that it's amazing and a part of this because this arc really deals with krakoa and in in smaller part the hellfire company dealing with kate being dead uh, being gone from the island being gone from the dynamics and so you get to you get to see what the other characters are like and trying to adjust to this format right i love the Man, the Emma stuff is great. It's it's all in the sense of because again, there's a lot of threads that, that are just left hand because we still have the company that's being made. We still haven't have a, haven't had a lot of these pieces pull into play. Part of it is Sebastian hasn't gotten some of his guys yet in. Uh, Emma hasn't gotten some of her guys in, and so I I don't know. I just thought it was really cool for Jerry just to see how Storm and Emma and Sebastian are all dealing with Kate being gone. It's, it's, there's just a lot, but Duggan nails it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And he's a fun writer. He always has been, you know, I, I really appreciate all the things that I've read of his, because like you said, it's fun, but like still informative and serious when it needs to be. And that's a line that's really important to kind of hit. And uh, writers like um, Donnie Cates is really good at that. You know, for instance, his his little uh, five issue run on um, Cosmic Ghost Rider, and how he makes a character that's so ridiculous, the Punisher, with Herald of Galactus powers and the Spirit of Vengeance flying around space. It's just like, oh my god, like super freaking nuts. But he makes it work, and he makes it funny, and he makes it serious, and it's just really great. And that's what I love. I love those kinds of things. I love seeing, being able to laugh, but also feel feel feelings, you know? Absolutely. And and like Cosmic Ghost Rider, I'm actually... You remember really... feelings, right? Like, you <sighs> remember feelings, right, Dominic? I get Do the feelings. Do you ever feelings. have any? Oh, man. I have so yeah. many... We vote for one specific Marauder, and he's one of the original five, and his name is Robert Drake, a.k.a. Iceman. Man, it's been a long time since I've gone back and actually enjoyed myself with Iceman content. But holy crap, does he literally explode. And when I mean explode, I'm talking he's beating up mutant racists and just freezing everybody to death. He's literally... Letting himself go, letting himself out. These beautiful panels by Stefano Caselli. And he's just, when he gets in rage and he gets in, and he's just freezing everything. It's like, holy crap, you do not want to mess with this dude. I love the fact that they're being really transparent about his sexuality too. In the fact that he's an actual homosexual. He's with 
Christian Frost, and also on the battlefield where he's just taking people out like it's no big deal. It's oh like, my god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's so amazing. Like, yeah, he's an Omega level mutant. He literally picks up a ship out of the out of the water in ice, and then they just ransack it. You know, and he because he's so mad, and he's ah. Oh. And yeah, and I'm really interested to see where his relationship goes with Christian Frost. It's going to be really interesting. They're playing a lot of really cool things. And can we talk about Christian Frost for one second? Sure. Control. He's he's captaining his ship by playing piano like some crazy Phantom of the Opera motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? And it's so freaking awesome. Oh my gosh. It's crazy because, again, these two are in a relationship. But Christian, A, I love the fact that Emma's bringing her family into this, so like the family ties are all strong, similar to how we got Sebastian and his son. And yeah, just him on the piano, and he's just looking up. He's smirking as like he's talking with a bishop, <laughs> or he's talking with his sis, or he's talking with Bobby, and he's like, and he's just being nonchalant about it. He's like, "This is what I do for a living. I'm just gonna be a musician. I'm a, I'm gonna do what I do, and just control the seas." By, by putting my hand and as a piano player i really appreciate that because we need more musicians in actual comics i think and having a yes. musician literally in the white keep is just awesome it's like dope it's like Definitely. give me more of this it's it's awesome yeah when are we gonna well, i want to i want a mutant with a saxophone that's what i want to see like a sexy saxophone you know you, you think that bobby and and Christian could actually do a sax piano like co-op, like maybe like an eight. Oh, like no, no, you're you're no, no. missing. The, no, this is what I want to see. This is what I want to see. I want to see Christian playing the piano, and I want to see Bobby on top of it in a dress singing lounge music. That's what I want to see. Where's that cover, Marvel? <laughs> Where's that cover? I would love that. That's amazing. Come on, let's do that. Let's get that going, guys. That would be, the, I, oh my god, I, I don't care if that was a 1 in 100 ratio variant. I would cop that in a second. That's amazing. And now I might as well get it just freaking, um, <clears throat> I might as well just get it made, like as yeah. a commission. Now I want to see it. You Are know you, what I you mean? Just see if Russell Dodderman's commission list is open, sign up for it, and just be like, yo, <laughs> can you please draw Bobby on top of Christian? I'll pay you 200 extra for whatever you usually charge. On, whoa, 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 whoa. I want him on top of the piano, not on top mm. of Christian. That's a whole nother commission. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, yeah, man. Jerry just writes a really good Bobby. Like, this Bobby is enraged. Like, he's... Because Bobby, I think, has always been, like, that wild heart of the original five. You have Scott, who's a boy scout. Gene's with his girl, who's a girl scout. Beast is the smart dude. Angel's angel. But Bobby, he's the he's the freaking... He's the wild card. He's, he's an actual, like, you know, when he needs to do stuff, he's gonna do stuff. And literally, just him controlling the playing... The ice on the field is just... It just wowed me. It was like... He's literally just being the Omega level mutant bad as he is, and then he's getting to display it on the court. It's it is what it is. And to me, that that is great writing when you got a dude who's literally he has all the he has all the toys and all these characters, but he's using those toys in examples where you enjoy yourself reading this and it makes sense for each of the guys. And that's what I really appreciate about Bobby and Marauders, is that he has a he has a he has plays to make and he's just he's just hitting all of them. He's he's making all the right plays. It's just awesome. 
Definitely, definitely. I'm, I'm loving everything. I'm, I'm also, here's, here's something we buried. Let's talk about Bishop's red outfit. Oh my God, that looks so dope. Like he just pops out because he's, he's the red bishop officially now. Mm-hmm. So he's, and he's full on. He's like, I'm here. I'm, I'm part of this team. I'm a, I'm a freaking marauder. I'm still doing, you know, my X-Force stuff and I'm still working with Beast, but I'm here. I'm part of this. Let's do this. And he, he, fully commits and wears a red outfit and it looks so clean and so sick and I just I'm so happy with everything. And I'll tell you something that really blew me away from this arc though was just <laughs> the badassery of them going onto that ship. You know what I'm saying? Like even though they got it out of the water, ice jammed their communications, set everything up, they still had to go in there and pull every got everything out of there. You know what I mean? And Bishop was just like, I'll race you. <laughs> or no, no, Forge says that to him, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. And, and they're like, I'll race you. And they just make it a game because they're both badasses. So I also like how Bishop, again, everybody has a role to play. It's, it's what makes a great team book a great team book is that the, the people on the team actually make sense for the team. You look at the roster and you're like, okay, what are they doing here? But when the writer puts it into play, he's supposed to say that oh this guy is this doing this and this guy's doing that bishop makes perfect sense to the team he's man I, I i just like the fact that he's accepted his role as the red bishop of kate's uh, monarch or part in the hellfire club like this time traveling mutant who i yeah, I've, I've always i've always liked bishop he's he's always been a fine guy to toss around but man he's just whipping up his gun he's just all badass and it's all it's awesome like him controlling the seas and the narrative and talking with the rest of the dudes, it's it's crazy to me how again just one rider is just having all of these toys on the on the field, and it's it's I got I got no words. Like Bishop is just awesome in this. Like he's he's freaking whipping around, like you said, with the red costume, like going all in the sand and and the then the shores and the ships, and it's like man, he just looks so good in it. Like he it literally looks <laughs> it's like awesome. it's tailor made for him. Jumbo Carnation. I mean, it, it literally is. It literally is, but yeah, but like it's still pretty badass. And I love the whole fashion aspect that Emma Frost kind of brings to it. You know what I'm saying? Like you guys got to, you know, you got you're part of this. You got to look good. You know, we're a corporation. You know, we're we move as a team and yada yada yada. You know, whatever. But she's like, no, we're gonna all get dressed up and we're all gonna look great no matter what. You know? <laughs> Can we pretty, talk about Emma for a second? Because she, I think, has the biggest role to play out of all the quote unquote good guys here because. She is, a mem- right? Because she's been a member of the Hellfire Club since she was essentially made. Like that's her, that's her thing. But right. a, I like the fact that her sort of friend enemy ship or whatever friend enemy, whatever her relationship with Jean is nowadays. I like the fact that it's still going on. She's still like out there to like prove to people that hey, the redhead's the the bad one. I'm the cooler one. And in like issue nine where they freaking have Pyro or where she literally has Pyro and this Jean Grey clone like make out and it's all a ruse just to get it set up. I was like, okay, Emma, you're going to do that. I don't see, I, was, was there some passive aggression there? Maybe a little, but let's be realistic. What is she doing? She's going into Pyro's head. Who does Pyro want the most? Probably Jean Grey. Like, I may not, I may not, she may not be my favorite character, but she's fine. Like she's mm-hmm. fine. All right. I'm not. No one's. No one's arguing that she's definitely one of the be- better looking mutants uh, of mutantdom of the of all Krakoa. You know, I mean, she's no she's no uh, M, but you know, whatever. She does all right. Um, 
Uh, what was I saying? Anyways, so yeah, so I don't think this was. I mean, I that's what you think at first, but if you really dissect it, it was it was in Pyro's head. It was his decision. Like she's just not going to give him anyone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I bet you, if it, if it was some sort of passive aggression, he's probably like, okay, who's he? She he liked the most. Okay, well, Gene's up there, so I'll just use Gene because this will be funny to me, and I'll just make it like trash TV. <laughs> Oh my gosh! No, it's crazy again because like again, like Emma, she just has a again big role on the on the team. I also like the uh, dialogue that she has with Storm and all of their past sort of aggressions because they them two they they haven't I think gone on the uh, they 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 haven't been on the same side you know for for the longest time. Like Storm has always been an X man and 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 Emma has been you know here and there and wary. But I really like the way that they went together in, in issue eight, where they just have this really, really warm moment. And just again, mung between these two. And they hug. They 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 try to they they're trying to make stuff out and work. It's it's good character progression, I think, for both of them, because they're again they work on the same team, they're on the same island. You need to work together. You need to have good relationships and bonds between all of your characters and everybody who's working with you and these two are on the council, and why not just make it work? And it it was it's so it's cool. Yeah, well, I mean, it's much it's gone on. It's it's past being a corporation. It's past being um, a, a team. It's 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 now a nation, and they have no choice. That's why they have this quiet council, like built with all these people that at one point or even nowadays want to kill each other because. They need the checks and balances, and they know that these are the best people to do it and know how to run it. And so they got to work together, not for them, but for all their people. And speaking of council members, let's bring up this dirtbag, Sebastian Shaw. Oh my glob, as my friend Eva would say. Eva would say. What, the, what a complete and total dirtbag. But I love it. I love it. It makes sense again you know? because if you need to have, I guess, a bad guy for your book, and it makes sense with all this. It has to be Sebastian because they, he just has so many relationships with so many other different people, and he's always been on the side of, "Hey, we we need to be as secretive and suspect as possible." And he's overplaying it, man. Like we were gonna bring in, okay, not only gonna bring my son, I'll bring in some more suspect people, and man, I hate him. Like this book wants me to hate him. <laughs> And I hate him so much. Right. It's like yeah, he's the. I've never liked him though. I've never <laughs> liked Sebastian. Shaw. I don't he's know. Who... Always been hella whack. Like wear some modern clothes already, bro. Like come on. It's crazy because he's still wearing his '80s stuff, where he's like this regal monarch, and I'm like everybody else is over here wearing either their tailor-made costumes or one two two pieces, and he's over here. He's like I'm of just act like a 1600s frenchman and just be yeah. this pompous dick i need some everybody. doilies <laughs> i need some doilies popping out of my sleeves you know oh, why can't you just get one of those suits that xavier or apocalypse wore in x-men number four when they went over to the forum why can't he get one of those he looked great in that i would have some more respect for him if he was in that but no totally. the fact the fact that he's stuck in the past and is not willing to change just so he can have his own benefits for himself it it makes me angry it makes me literally want to kill him like i actually want to punch his face and rub it in him like he deserves it yeah <laughs> he de- totally 
Here's the thing, though, and they they talked about it very uh, very briefly, and I couldn't. It's been a while since I read the the first six issues, so maybe you can help me with this. Sebastian, they Kate and Emma are talking about how he moved first before we could. So were they actually plotting on murdering him and like taking his seat? Was that still a thing? I think it was. Just, I don't really remember that. It, I think it's just been more in the case of. The the two sides being like suspect of each other, it's I yeah. I don't think I in the first arc, I do I don't believe that they they actually knew that Sebastian was going to take them down and if he did he didn't make any efforts to show it because they didn't even know no that no no I no 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 but I mean I mean because it sounded the way they were talking at that mm-hmm. one scene it sounded as if. They were planning on going against Sebastian Shaw, and he found out or just made a move before they could. And now they're like, well, now we're going to definitely going to do it now. <laughs> uh, partly, I think, oh, my gosh, I don't I don't believe they did. I don't believe that Sebastian actually made a move against. He didn't kill anyone. He didn't overtake somebody else's seat. He's just he was just wary of Kate being there because she's Kate and she doesn't like Shaw. And that's just how it is. Right. So. Yeah. It's crazy, yeah. So I I don't think that there was any like pre notion of like oh my gosh like no I think they're just trying to find legitimate excuses so that they could actually take out the dude and put him to another dimension or whatever it may be because he deserves it <laughs> and he and he does yes. to be fair he does deserve it though like come on I I, I yeah. love the no he's the word he's never been they've they've. Emma and Shaw's beef go way back. They've always... You won't talk about a frenemy. Mortal frenemies. It's like they have no choice. They've always had to work with it. But there's still a modicum of respect there. You know what I'm saying? That's why she brought him on in the first place. You know, it wasn't... In Hawk's Pox, it wasn't... It wasn't uh, her... It wasn't Xavier's idea or anything. It was her idea to bring on Sebastian Shaw because he she could he could help build the corporation. You know what I'm saying? Because that was because he's got all got these a... deals with the the dudes from this part and this part of the world, and we need the money yep. in and let's get the black market up and running in Krakoa. Exactly. Right. So just get just get the plane on in. But the fact is, Sebastian's a jerk, and I, I just love the the part of all these plot threads, and the one being that. Sebastian killed Kate. Like that's that's the biggest one, right? That's the one that's been looming over this this entire arc, and part of why we're seeing the Marauders in a different aspect is because Kate's not there. Sebastian killed her, and we're again seeing the team, and I guess the other parts of the 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 island recuperate without her. And man, it's crazy because I I, I I unfortunately do not have the specific details or like the nobos on like the people that Sebastian recruited. Like yeah, he got in his son, but he he got in the Fenris twins, I think it was, in for his knights or or whatever you want to call them for his for his part of the corporation. But I haven't read much of them with it, unfortunately. But I know that he recruits them for him. It's it's just a lot of moving parts. But yeah. Sebastian deserves to die. I, I don't care who he recruits. He could recruit the nicest person on earth, but he still freaking killed Kate. He he still is is being a pompous bitch to all of these different people. <laughs> and man, like you want him, you, love him or hate him, bro. He he's earned his pompousry. Yeah, he does. 
What what I will say about Sebastian? I mean, his idea. Hold on. Yeah. Let's let's talk about let's talk about some good aspects of him. His his black market trade. His his idea for the whiskey. And he now has made a premium export for them for the entire nation of Krakow because he has figured out. Okay, he gets Forge to make a, f- a formula for the best whiskey, and then he gets uh, Tempo who has a mutant that has the ability to make things older to age the whiskey. So you can he is able to age it 50 years like within a day, okay? So that means that means that they can have top sh- unbelievably top shelf premium whiskey to export. Stuff that stuff that would take 50 year investment is now done within a day. That's genius. And that's you know really you know how many people would eat that whiskey up? That's the thing too. It's not like oh people yeah. don't, no no like people will pay for a good for a good bucket of rum. Like that's how much people yeah. will get in for. Shout well, out to him. And even if they they can even <laughs> they can even yeah even if they made it a hundred dollar bottle like wholesale. You know what I'm saying? Here a hundred dollars wholesale. They're, that's they're still going to be pour, pouring it out because it only takes a day. Like even normal whiskeys still take time for it to age and stuff, but they, they don't have to even worry about that. This is going to change the entire game. And to think about the different vegetables that they're using from cocoa and different fruits. So now it's its own version. You know what I'm saying? Its own like good. But this was a point brought up actually. Uh, I'm going to reference once again, Mike. The, Michael Erickson that I work with over at Flying Colors, he's like, what if the vegetables and the fruits that they use only taste good to mutants and normal humans don't like it? And because, yeah, because think about that. We don't know. They haven't really talked about like, you know, the veg like medicines and stuff like that. And no one's going to care what a medicine tastes like. You know what I'm saying? Because it's medicine, you know, you You just don't take it for the flavor. You just drink it up and that's it. That's right. You just you just chug it down. You get some Vicks vapor rub, whatever you got to do. You know, it's it's not about what it what it tastes like. It's about the actual job that it's going to do. So that we don't we don't we deal with that. But when it comes to food, we don't know. We do know the mutants enjoy it, but have they had humans eat their food yet? I haven't seen anything like this yet. So that might be a really interesting plot point that kind of comes up. Like this whole time, they're like, oh, we got the best alcohol. We got the best foods. We got this. And then like human comes by like, this is hella gross. You mutants are nasty. What if the whiskey is just a ruse for, let's just say Sebastian ships it out to some third, third world country. And third world country apparently has some like rich people or like people who want whiskey. Okay, let's just say that. What if the whiskey is actually so like it's poisoned it's not like full on this will kill you but it's enough to like make your stomach churn and make you in bed all grown in and vomiting whatever what if this is just a ruse so that they could get people to feel like that so that they could just bring in more drugs in so that they can get more money off of that i don't know interesting so it's kind of like the idea that the person that makes the disease also sells the cure yep interesting and yeah like hey let's make this top shelf whiskey that's super cheap and get make a whole make people crazy alcoholics and then sell the cure to alcoholism or 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 liver disease and all wow dom that's some whoa now even if that even if even if that's not actually a plot point or an idea that they came up with that's still a real that's still really crazy that you even came up with that that's that's I'm blown away it, it with, with with Sebastian and it too. Put, yeah 
Totally, I agree with you. If it's Sebastian, it's Sebastian Shaw. Of course, he's a dirtbag. It, it, it wouldn't, yeah. And he's thinking on the high level of a government official, like on that high level. Oh my God, bro, you you might be onto something there. You might be onto something. So they could not only double the drugs. Okay, not only double, like not only could they double the whiskey. They could also double the money that they're getting on the Krakone drugs that they're shipping out to the world. Who, mm-hmm. who people need that? People need. Hey, That's like. Right. Like we're gonna, we need to cure our diseases. We need to extend our lives. Let's get more of that because a lot of our people are being sick. So of course they have to. It's good leverage for Krakoa because they have all of this technology. But also just in the fact of Sebastian just being this master manipulator in the market. Like he's someone you don't want to mess with, but you want to get to him because he has all the power and all of the medicine that you do need. So... Why not? And it, again, it makes total sense for Sebastian as a character to do something that manipulative. As small as, and again, this isn't like the, some big overarching Kate is dead. Po- no, this is just Sebastian being Sebastian. Why not? Right? Like, why not have him be this, both the giver of diseases, but also the person who can keep, who can, who can heal everybody? Yeah, that's, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Now to get Wow. To segue back into the actual story, do do you think they're going to make it like every? They're going to make it public? Maybe not public. Are they going to make it um, intel to give the higher ups in the council that one council member moved on another council member, or are they just going to deal with this like gangsters behind the curtain? What do you think is going to happen there? It's crazy because right? yeah. she they, they're playing they, they're they're alluding to they want to go after him, but then they're like playing all nice politicsy politicky you know hugging him like giving him like like crazy glances behind his back you know, but I think it's right at the very end when she gets her tattoo <laughs> that says Kill Shaw. I think it makes it very obvious what her plans are to do, and her getting that tattoo was just such a cool like she's like yeah let's hang out magic and then i'm just gonna get a tattoo real quick what'd you think of that scene so back to the earlier point where you talked about the council oh, right. right i got how, because there's, told, there's a lot of yeah. moving i don't blame you there's a lot that of moving parts there let's, let's let's get a there's a lot of moving parts in this let me also make another prediction in issue number two of this run, we had a specific infographic where it detailed what the marauders look like and what the Hellfire Trading Company was, right? You had the you had Sebastian Shaw as the Black King, Emma as the White Queen, the red seat was vacant, and then a whole bunch of other positions that were vacant. Now, there is a top shelf leader of the Hellfire Club. He has not been not he or she has not been nominated yet. So there's a, there's going to be one person who's going to be pulling the strings off of everything. I think that Magneto, I was, and and this is part on me reading X-Men number 11. If you remember in that, we got to see what Magneto's costume cabinet looked like. He had the white one, he had the he had the classic one. There was also the there was also the black one. I think hearkening from his days over when he was a part of the Hellfire Club as well. There could be a decent chance that I think Magneto because you, you talked about like all of these council leaders doing this in public or doing it behind the scenes. Why wouldn't Magneto want not want to get in this? 
Because A, I think for Sebastian and all of this, he's selling all of the all these drugs to smaller markets or different countries that they can't afford them because whatever reason. I think that there's a decent chance because Magneto's Magneto and he's he already did he showed up in the he showed up in these issues. He's gonna have to I think he will have to get involved with the Hellfire Club to make sure that everything is on point because like we need we ju- you just need to have a succinct group that isn't all politicky and needs to do like do their stuff in a straight line and say hey we're gonna do all but there's just so much I think they have to play it by the rules but get one of the other council members in just to make sure everybody's still running and doing everything safe so yeah I I, I think what I'm trying to say is in all this convoluted mess Magneto is going to join the Marauders. And he will have he will have something to do with Sebastian Shaw doing all of this gimmicky stuff. There's just no other way around it. They need to be put in check. <laughs> but don't you think that's a little below Magneto at this point? Like this this is some beast stuff that is, this is some Wolverine stuff. This isn't Magneto, okay? Magneto is above all that. Magneto. They're lucky Magneto doesn't just crush them all and just start over from scratch with the whole with all three of those council members. You know what I'm saying? You know that that's going a little far, obviously. But yeah, no, that's fair. I think if Magneto if Magneto's stepping in, it's like they messed up really bad and they are about to get punished. You know what I'm saying? Could it escalate to the point where he has to step in? They better hope it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Because Sebastian Shaw might play it like, oh, hey, you know, I didn't do it. There's no proof that I did anything. And you, they openly attacked me. And now, they, now they're getting in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Because Sebastian Shaw could pull that stuff. Because now we're, we're not just dealing with, you know, behind the scenes Hellfire versus X-Men stuff anymore. No, this is Krakoa. This is government. This is a nation. This is a whole set of rules and 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 laws that they have to abide by. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think just sooner or later, something is something's gonna happen where one where Emma, Kate, or Sebastian just go overboard. They just need to be put. In. There's there's just a whole bunch of nits and wits here. We got a lot of council shots. Like we got a lot of quiet council shots. There's there's no point of doing all of these political intrigues without making it actually bigger in terms of public. Like, to harken your point, this is a nation. This isn't old parts where they're in America and they're rummaging underneath or in some weird building. They're on an island where they all live in the same spot. There 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 has to be this sort of bigger. I just want the scope of this book, I think, to be a little bit bigger, and to do that. Ramp up the political entry. Get some people in and start either slashing them, cutting the checks, or actually killing them, even though you can't kill them because Krakoan resurrection protocols override that. But do something where the book moves forward by having these members like, let's throw shots at each other now. Let's not just be all, oh, blah, 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 doing this. No, let's let's have Emma... Or Kate do something at Sebastian or vice versa. I think that's how... Oh my god. Dude, I just realized an arc that could happen. And I'm while we're on prediction mode, which I don't know how we started on this, but prediction mode. 
Krakoa Civil War. <laughs> it's going to happen. No, I know it's going to happen at It'll some point happen. in this Hickman run. It's going to ha- we are it's going to see a Krakoan Civil War. It has to. It's it's a they're hitting every aspect of what it takes to run a nation and what happens in a nation and all that kind of stuff on an international scale. So, why wouldn't they do that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I love this. Man, the 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 stuff that they could do and just ah uh, to be able to have the to be in that sandbox and playing with those toys as you say you know ah uh, amazing what, what I would do to, to kill for it it's it's crazy you know yeah. what ending prediction mode could we talk about Kate for a second because she comes back in the most well interesting way of sorts let me just say definitely because we have again we have the resurrection protocols but they're not working on Kate for some reason we already saw an issue once she couldn't grow through the gates and now she's finally in Krakoa but she can't she can't get out of her husk we have these eggs but she can't break out for whatever reason the five have been trying and for whatever reason they can't get out now she gets resurrected and and this is a dope scene because i i think it just was awesome getting to see her actually pull through and ways that other mutants can't so instead of breaking the shell she actually gets pulled out by emma i thought it was like holy crap like that's dope and i just love the fact that she's a confirmed mutant none of this oh she might be a mutate or a human and sebastian shaw just killed a human no it's a she's an actual mutant and she's among her fellow brothers and sisters on the i i I just thought the way that she came back was just very very powerful it just proves Definitely. that yeah, you can break the barriers no matter how deep or how hard they might look at, how big they are. Doesn't matter if you're strong enough, and which Kate, you know, one being one of the best mutants I think ever, definitely is, and it just shows just in that in that scene alone where she comes back. Yeah. Uh, and the the whole like science behind it, you know what I'm saying? Because they, you know, Kurt calls it a miracle. They're all calling it miracles and all that stuff. But the bottom line is like, this is literal hard science. And because she was phasing out when she died, therefore they couldn't bring her back. And would it put it, could we put it past Shaw to already like have that planned? You know what I'm saying? Right? Like what if that was already part of his plan and everything? <sighs> Because that's how he is, you know what I'm saying? What What's crazy about Sebastian Shaw is literally every single thing that happened. Maybe even the 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 things that happened in Empire. This could all be part of his mad, mad scheme. Like, you know what I'm saying? You can never put anything past this man. Seriously. Same with Sinister, same with Apocalypse. Apparently Apocalypse is good now, though. As, as proven in, in our last conversation, it's 100% canon. He's a good guy now. He's a good guy. Like, there's no I, other way. There's I, I, I don't no know what's way. happening in this world. Apocalypse is a good guy. Ray, Ray and I'm Bell. cheering for him. And I'm fucking <laughs> cheering for this guy. But yeah, no. Shout out to, to Kate um, for ignoring the barriers. Seriously. And for, for just being able to... Not pummel. Kate. No, no. Shout out to who? Duggan. Shout out to Duggan for writing a badass yeah, Kate. This <laughs> is just... It's awesome. But and uh, oh, I thought you were talking like Donnie Cates. When you said no, 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 no! Shout out to like, Kate! Shout out to Kate and shout out to Duggan for <laughs> writing an awesome Kate Pride. We need more of this in ten. 
Seriously, I, I am so I'm in love with it. Oh my god! And can we talk? Can we talk about how astonishing X Men is canon in this universe? Let's can yes. we talk about that because yes. they bring that up. Yes, they bring that up. Yes, that she is saved. Like in her eulogy, she has saved the Earth. You know, and they're talking about the the, the things that happened in astonishing X Men with Whedon. Oh my god! I straight up nerdgasmed when I read that. I was like, yes, the things that they bring in, and it's just these little Easter eggs and member berries that they're throwing in there, and I'm just like, I can't wait. I can't wait to revisit that because we're going to be revisiting that pretty soon, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I love the fact that's that... That's a four-part series right there. Who, it will the, be. That's a four-part podcasting series. I can't wait. Four oh, parts, be great. four arcs, all Kate. But, yeah, it's it's awesome. Well, Kitty at that point. She was Kitty at that yeah. point. <laughs> <sighs> Man, names, 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 names. There's a lot of them. Can I also... I also want to appreciate the fact that Kurt, a.k.a. Nightcrawler, is drawn into this. I, I texted you a couple days ago where I was like, what, Mystique? You know what? That's a completely different conversation. But shout out to the... No, no, no. I want you to tell. No, no. Tell <laughs> tell everyone. Tell everyone what you texted me. No. People need to know that you didn't know this, bro. I, okay. So I was, I was amazed that Kurt Wagner, a.k.a. Nightcrawler, is Mystique's son. And I, I, I texted Dylan and I was like, how can they be... Related because she's a bad guy and looks young and he's an old, he's a, he, I don't know, they look the same. And then I, I, I went back, I looked at their skin color and I read some of the past material where it was revealed that they were related and I was like, what the heck? I, I didn't know. I, I was, I was dumbfounded. I, I, I was, you know what? That, ignore me. It's, it's really dumb. It, it is really dumb. I, I feel ashamed. It's okay, dude. And don't feel too ashamed. Don't feel too ashamed. Um, we're wa- we're rewatching Step by Step in my house, and I realized last night that it's not Step by Step like they're moving forward Step by Step. It's also because they're Step family members. Oh, <laughs> I, was like, oh. I was like, oh my God, Step by Step because they're Step family. Oh wow, mind uh, blown. So don't feel mind too blown. bad. <laughs> but I, I remember now when he. When you texted me that, it reminded me of something that me and Elizabeth, we wrote this little, like, fun little fan fiction uh, pitch, which was basically Full House, but the X-Men. So we called it Full House of X. Before it was, before House of X was a thing. Okay, and and in that, it it was basically the professor is gone, they lost him, and so in the house, it's Cyclops, Beast, and, and Logan, and... Beast is married to Mystique, and their kid is is um, is Nightcrawler. Okay, so in that canon, and it's all them. It's basically like them trying to raise all the kids without having you know Xavier around and like all that kind of stuff. Because this was before any of this stuff was even a thing. You know, what I mean, Ooh. so there was a, there was a lot more much a lot more to play with with the canon. And I, that was always a fun thing that we always talked about, like just writing like a little fan fiction kind of thing, maybe like a voice. Yeah, those are so fun. fun thing when you could just. You know, do a round with the characters and just have those dukes. But yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. Okay, that 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 must have been awesome. I kind of want that now. Full House of X, right? Full House Full of House X of by X. Full House of X by the X Office writing team. That would be Full, Full House of X by by Dylan and Elizabeth Gray. You mean is that, is yes. that what you're talking about? Yes, Dylan and Elizabeth Gray. Amen. Let's let's <laughs> let's get that on. There were there are a couple of things that I actually wanted to hit on before we ended this. Besides, mm-hmm. well, hey, let me again just say before 
I, I, I had to be ashamed of myself for not knowing the fact that Nightcrawler <laughs> was Mystique's son. Nightcrawler and and the Red Queen, Kate, are they're just an awesome friendship duo. Like I love the interactions between those two. They're always wholesome. It's it's the type of friendships that again again like most of these experts have shown we should strive for. We should strive for having that one person that you can confide in. And when Kurt literally was reading Kate's letter, I, I was heartbroken. I was like, dang, like this got to me. Like this got to my heart. And so when you when you do have Kurt in this setting and he's you know he's praying for his friend and you know the devout religious person that he is, I was like, they're they're really gonna hit all the street. They're really gonna hit all my strings with this with this funeral, which was a fake out by the way. Kate has a funeral, but it was a fake one because her real body, I guess, was in the husk. Was trying to duke it out, and and th- these were these are these are a couple of things I'm actually going to ask you because again, this is this is sort of I guess a more sensitive-ish topic. Now, when we talk about Kate, we both know that she's a Jew, um, and and with that, I, I I'm sort of aware the, of the fact that you know a lot of Jews they, they're they're Old traditions, you know, don't like they can't, you know, do tattoos or, or do some things that other people can't. I want to know where you stand on this, because Kate does, like, as you said earlier in the podcast, you get to those kill shot tattoos. What is your sort of stance on this particular issue in terms of her and, and her identity as a Jew and, and being a Krakow? Yeah. Well? Now, if bef- yeah, before I jump on my soapbox about this. Um, did, this was something that you brought up to me earlier because you wanted me to, to weigh in on it off, off recording. And I believe there were people that were basically attacking him on Twitter about this, Mm -hmm. right? Is that, is that the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was a small sideshow to the point where Jerry had to sort of explain his work, uh, just, just to, uh, you know, make, yeah, just make sure that everything was okay on that end. Okay, so let me tell you, I, I'm just guessing here. All that, that all those people that were complaining about it were straight goyims. Okay, I, I, okay, that is the most ridiculous thing ever. You know what I'm saying? The main thing about that is, yeah, the body mutilation is one thing. You know what I'm saying? But the real thing about all all that kind of stuff is about ego. You know what I'm saying? And it's about if you're just trying to do it just to get attention, that's bad. You know what I'm saying? I'm, for instance, I'm Jewish, okay? I'm covered in tattoos. You wouldn't know because I, I hide them because they're for me. But, and some have, have them out and that's okay. The bottom line is it's not as hardcore as everything. There's a lot of Catholics that eat meat on Friday you know, or beef on Friday. They're not supposed to. You know what I'm saying? There's, 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 I, I know uh, people that are Islamic that drink alcohol. Like it's, you, what you, there are these old rules, yes, but at the, at the kit, at the core of it all, you can't really talk about how someone should worship it or do what to do with their body. It's up to them and it's their choice. And that, all that stuff that they're trying to say, all that is just Twitter, like Twitter bait, you know, beef bait, you know what I'm saying? That's all it is. They're just trying to stir something up because they need a art. They need to write an article and, or something, you know what I'm saying? That's how it happens. It's, it's ridiculous. I thought we put all that behind us back in 2015 and 2016, you know what I'm saying, where everyone was upset about everything, but no, we apparently it still pops up, and I'm telling you right now, from someone who's Jewish that has tattoos, and other people that I know that are Jewish that don't have tattoos, it doesn't, it's, it's not a hard line. Now, it is 
Plus, it is 100% true, though, that if you're Jewish and you have tattoos, you cannot be buried in a Jewish cemetery. But for me, I'm, I want to be cremated and put in the ocean. So, but, so that's my thing. You know what I'm that saying? Was, that's the thing, too, because Kate also gets cremated. Because they, they made this... Xavier, when he created Krakoa, and again, this goes in part of leaving the human and embracing your mutant side, he explicitly said that there would be no graves on Krakoa because we need to respect the land and we have a process where we can put all of our dead mutants and resurrect them so that they so that they can be with us and and the Viking funeral is so badass <laughs> that yeah for real man i i really that issue or issue 11 uh, the one with again the kurt stuff and kate coming back I thought it was really well made. I thought it was really well done. And again, Duggan hitting all of the emotional strings. Emma figuring out that Sebastian was behind the mess. But again, just be just Kate being back and just being the hardened mutant that she like. It's awesome. Like this to me, it, it, what represents Kate? It's this sense of again breaking through the barriers by just by 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 pushing them aside and going through all of that rough ship and that hardship and getting to where you know, she is and. Now she's going to be going against Sebastian, hopefully in the next arc or after Excess Swords. It's going to be awesome. The fact that Lockheed's there too. And Lockheed was hecka cute in this, by the way. He's not dead. He's alive. So, That's so right. glad. It's it, like that is that to me is what Kate represents. The side of justice and trying to do, I guess, what's right. And, and just her being back. It, it gives me all the happiness in the world and her reuniting with everybody iliana emma kurt man just so good on an emotional state it, it really is it was it was and you know it's funny too because even when she died and knowing it's comic books i really thought i was like nope she's dead she's gone forever no way that's it this is she's it but nope they got it they got it <laughs> <laughs> that they, too they brought they 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 were able to figure out their he's able to just think about that. He's able to, they're able to figure out problems and then how to solve them in their own stuff that they've created. It's so, so, uh, just so kudos. That's all I can say to the X office, you guys. Kudos. And like all writers across all mediums of writing need to pay attention to what these guys are doing because this is just unbelievable teamwork that's being pulled off. It's unbelievable ideas and concepts and and then at the end of it they still are able to hit the hammer on the head and stick the landing i also kind of hit appreciate the hammer on the that. head did i just say hit the hammer on hit the, the hammer on the head that's exactly what you just hit said. The yeah that's right what's you know what that's what they did they hit the hammer on the head and i also say hit that the hammer on the like, head you know what i also appreciated from this in the fact freaking kate also gets uh her star david back from uh from Nightcrawler, and and Kurt hugs her after. I thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, like I'm really. I that just, was yeah. a good moment for me. I like that. I like seeing that. You know, I, I like any time there there is Jewish symbolism with with Kate. Um, in Age of X Men, for instance, um, Age of X Men or Age of X Men, whatever the one that was before Hawks Pox. Um, there's a whole scene where she's, she can't remember stuff, you know, and, but she still see, keeps seeing a menorah and that keeps like triggering like some weird memories for her. And it's, 
uh, that was a really cool thing because the, the the symbolism of of a menorah is really about family and it's like this family kind of memories and nostalgia kind of around it because it's, it's like seeing a christmas tree for christians you know what i'm saying it, when you see a christmas tree people love christmas trees because they think of all the times when they were a kid or all the fun times they've had around the christmas tree and it's the same thing with the menorah you know so it's a it's a very powerful kind of thing and to and to see her kind of put that on and like with jewish symbolism i just love that i just i don't know i'm just yeah, yeah. I'm you gotta love those it. moments you gotta love those moments 100 percent I also appreciate that she's got her, her curly hair back. Can I? Can we talk about yes. that? Yes, she's got her curly oh. hair back. Yes, it looks so good. <laughs> it, she so looks good. so great in it. I'm so into it. Yes. Oh my gosh. Jew curls, I, baby. Love heck them. yes, heck yes. There's also one scene in in Marauders number ten where this was pre me re-examining myself, but it's the scene where Emma and the rest of the Marauders leave none to tell the tale as. The good old Magneto told him to. Leave the and freaking Emma. This is just so Emma of her. I can't. I can't. I don't even. I don't know if I have like the correct comprehensive grammar to describe it. Dude, she freaking. She's freaking on the ship with Pyro, and these dudes all have guns. And they're all at their heads. Freaking Emma. She's wearing whatever her her jacket. She just strips down and literally beats them. With her sexiness. <laughs> I thought Yes. I was like they're really gonna do like they're 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 putting all of the sexual symbolism because of the make more mutants and all that. I what I appreciated from the scene is that A, this is one hundred percent something Emma would do. I think she's definitely whenever she can get her looks as an advantage, she's definitely gonna use them. It, she's not yeah afraid of Here- Here's something, here's something that I thought was so freaking amazing. Here's something that I thought that would be really interesting that they play with later. I should, okay, hold on. Starting over. Boom, 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 boom. So here's something I think that would have been really interesting that, that they should play with later. Like, she's saying that she uses her sex to get all the guys on the same wavelength. So they're all thinking the same thing, right? And that's how she's able to control all of them so easily. So what if one of those guys were gay and they didn't have the same thought? You know? Mm. that would be a really interesting thing to play like you know what i'm saying like eventually that's got to happen you know what i'm saying like what is it like one in three or something like that or people are homosexual compared to heterosexual so it's 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 a really interesting thing that could be played with and you know then what what happens you know everyone else shoots each other and then like you know they're like ah it wasn't mind control you know oh it would have been something funny to kind of do later on you know establish it there and then make the yeah. joke about it later you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, I think yeah, like you could get yeah, put this in right now, and then once that time comes, you can use that later. There's also just I know a whole bunch of people who like Emma in that way, and so I know that they'll appreciate <laughs> yeah. her blank nudity because they like that. And hey, it's it again with all the sexual symbols that's that's been happening this run. It makes sense for Emma to do it here. I really enjoyed the. The scene and, and Pyro just dumping over it. But yeah, really, really fun Marauder. This what I appreciate anything about this book in the most is that it still keeps that Hawks Pox sense and vibe of we hate humans because they've done so much wrong to us. We're immunes, we're we're still we're better and we're we're trying to give give good examples of why we're better and and just keeping the tone in. And yeah, the pirate stuff, the Kate stuff, it's hitting all the right notes. Jerry has not 
Jerry Duggan has not failed. I think as a writer, he's he's definitely one of he's he's probably my favorite other favorite dude besides Hickman. Like this this book is awesome, and everybody needs to read it. That's how awesome Marauders is. One hundred percent. I am. Yeah, it's fun. It's it makes you feel feelings. It's it's a great addition to the rest of the X line. Uh, honestly, I couldn't imagine this X line without this whole this whole section of it. Honestly, it's so freaking good. It's it's corporate espionage on a international scale on top of like being a a, a safe passage for for mutants to come in and and still dealing with, you know, having to deal with spies and all that kind of stuff too, you yep. know. 100%. It's also got Kate Pride, Emma Frost, Storm, Bishop, Pyro, and Iceman in it. You can't say no to that. You can't. Pick it up. That's Go to your local team. comic store. Buy Volume 1. Buy Volume 2 when it comes out. And do support it. them. You gotta do it. You gotta do it, guys. Shout out to Jerry Duggan again, the rest of the X-Crew, for making this book. Yes. And hopefully more to come after X of Swords. But on that and note... Like I would, always... Yeah. And like always, because we, we haven't said it yet, we can't wait to see what they come up with next. At Jonathan Hickman, we cannot see, we cannot wait to see what you've got upcoming next because we love your work. Please make more of this. You are doing an awesome job. Jerry, you're doing an awesome job. Everybody else, you're just doing an awesome job. And we have to tip our hats off to where it's due. And on that note, I would like to thank the Grand Geek Gathering for hosting this podcast Please go over and check their stuff out, guys. You do not want to miss any of the awesome content that all the other guys are creating. Podcasts, articles, you name it. Head to www.thegrangegathering.com to figure out and to go on and to just to check out all their stuff. And to that effect, I would also like to thank Dylan just for joining me again. It's always fun talking and I'm really glad that you enjoyed the second volume installment of Marauders with me here today it's just awesome oh yeah no this was great i i as always thank you for forcing me into this because this is the best decision i've ever made (laughs) (laughs) thank you guys so much this is your host professor dom torres and on that note i'm signing out hopefully actually no and on that note see you guys the next time